I'd like to thank our sponsor, NPR, for morning edition on the radio to NPR News Now on smart speakers. NPR is part of people's daily lives, including mine, and so are the brands that sponsor its award-winning news and programming. Keep listening to hear how NPR sponsorship can help you build brand affinity. Hi, I'm Shreem Patek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to marketing leaders who are changing the industry one decision at a time, be it agency mergers, in-house marketing strategy to save dollars, or competing with platforms. There's a lot to unpack. Joining me this week is Alex Lekik, Global CEO at Malin Low Group. Mergers are all the rage in the business right now, as holding companies look to streamline their operations and tighten their belts. Alex is a merger veteran. Three years ago, IPG decided to merge its agencies, Mullen and Lowen Partners. What happened in the years since has been a lesson in managing business, even as the agency world nears a reckoning. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, Alex. Welcome to Making Marketing. Thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it. We're so excited to have you. Um, we were just talking about this right before we started recording, so we're going to get right back into it. Okay. Feels like mergers are in the air. Um, and you obviously went through a major one um, three, three and a half years ago, That's actually. Right. Um, so in a little bit of a departure for this podcast, I sort of want to go back in time before we talk about what's happening today. Um, but tell me about sort of, you know, Mullen, Low, kind of what was happening at the time and how everything kind of came together. Yeah, so my general view is that for whatever reasons, and I'm, I'm sure there were the right business decisions at the time, say 15 to 20 years ago, um, there was the great unbundling. So you saw creative agencies and media agencies that in a lot of cases started together, uh, start to start to separate. I was working at Leo Burnett was my first job in advertising in the uh, mid 90s um, back when uh, Leo Burnett Media was great um, and bundled together with Leo Burnett and then it became Starcom and the MediaVest and now it's back Starcom um, there were a lot of examples like that uh, and I think uh, what's happened over the years and certainly the, the reason that we've benefited from what I've called the great rebundling which I think we're in the middle of right now is that uh, agency people and clients uh, realized, and I think certainly creatives realized that uh, you get better creative output, better thinking by smashing together media, broadly speaking, uh, and creative, broadly speaking. So this notion of having a building full of creative people, account people, and planners 30 blocks away from a building full of media people uh, I think I think those days, I hope those days are behind us. Now, I think the reason we've done well as uh, an agency um, over the past kind of s six to nine years is because we uh, have grown these businesses organically. We've been bundled since the beginning, and I think we're really starting to to um, to see the value of, of, of that decision. I, I think I heard somebody say, and I forget who it was, a few a few months ago, the sort of the greatest sin, you know, that happened in the agency industry was that unbundling. And that kind of caused and led to multitude of effects in the industry that then everybody's still trying to now correct, in some cases are trying to recover from. So let's go back because I think people say that a lot. Um, but at the time when sort of this unbundling started happening, there were good business reasons for that to be happening. I mean, people were people were kind of coming out of this, I assume, this sort of different way of working. Obviously, advent of digital had changed the way people had worked. So at the time it made sense to let's, you know, that building of creatives sure. and then 30 blocks building of media. Yep. Um, what were the business 
what was the business case at the time to unbundling for the people that did it? And then we could talk a little bit about what changed. Yeah, I think that probably they were looking at uh, a sense of scale because back then media agencies were doing a lot of buying. You know, there's a lot of, there was just a lot of volume that was being pushed through. So it was a focus on scale and, and growth. And I, I suspect that the part of the, uh, the business decision also was conflict. You know, you could run, if you had two separate businesses, you could run, you know, automotive account out of the media group and you could run a separate competitive automotive account out of the creative group. I, I'm, I'm guessing that's what they were looking at, but those and are- they did. They did. And those are pr- a couple of, of pretty, I think, obvious reasons. Also division of labor. I mean, some of these people are, you know, the people who are uh, in the media business are very, they really know the media business quite well. And, and maybe those skills, certainly on the buying side, didn't overlap as much onto the kind of creative account and, and planning side. The conflict thing, you know, and that's another one where people don't really talk about it, but conflicts were one of the big reasons that even sort of holding companies took on the structures that they did. So you sure. could have multiple accounts under the same roof, still funneling up to the same boss or right. CFO, but hey, these are all different brands. Um, is that also changing as kind of things start getting bundled back together? Because you're seeing bundling happen more at the agency level, um, going to closer to model to what you've built, essentially, and also at the holding company level. How do those two things I don't, work together? I don't, haven't seen it change much at the holding company level. So, you know, um, within our holding company, it, it is perfectly uh, acceptable for uh, agency A to have an automotive account, agency B to have a competitor, and agency to have another competitor. That's perfectly fine. Um, we just don't overlap uh, in terms of uh, in terms of talent and, and resources and that kind of a thing, not even on the back end side. So it's, it, it really is. We really run as, as separate businesses within IPG. It's one of the things I really like about IPG is they let us run businesses separately and independently. Um, I think in our case, I can't speak for other media, blended media, creative agencies. I We have had uh, cases where uh, we have a large client on the creative side who is sensitive to media taking on a competitor. So we deal with it. And it's uh, we're dealing with that right now, actually, on a, on a piece of business that's, that's a, a potential uh, a client. Uh, we deal with that on a case-by-case basis. And most times the relationship with clients are strong and somebody can sit down with the client and say, look, we're running a competitive business uh, uh, out of media. This thing is coming in on the creative side. Are you okay with us uh, sub, uh, setting up firewalls? Is it okay if we use our multiple offices to an advantage? So it's in, you know, your business is one, in one office and the creative business is in the other office. Usually it works out, but yeah, we see it. Um, let's go. Let's go back to kind of uh, the merger talk um, because I want to talk a little bit about how you know the companies evolved over the last three years. You know, after after the merger and kind of how how the internal structure has changed too, um, and how that's evolved, especially as kind of the market changed around it. A lot happened in the last three years, I think, yeah. um, and the pace of change is sort of accelerating in an obvious way. And there's been new pressures, new competition, things that simply didn't exist. So let's go back two, three years, and then just walk me a little bit through those changes and how the company's changed. Sure. So about three and a half years ago, um, we had a Mullen that was a strong brand in the U.S. that over the pa- the prior six years had doubled in size. Really a great story with an IPG, um, all kinds of awards and new people and everything you can imagine. It was a really, really great run. Uh, the agency started to take on clients that were asking for some international representation. We, and the truth is we just had offices in the U.S. So 
our challenge was we needed talent overseas, uh, and we also wanted to build out a digital transformation practice. So that's kind of where we're looking at. Uh, and then you take on another uh, wholly owned agency within IPG called Loan Partners, which was an interesting agency. It certainly <laughs> right? was. <laughs> Created uh, and, and put together by, by Frank Lowe over the years. Um, Tried. And I've been through what seemed like a thousand different iterations by the time Different iterations, <laughs> a couple of missed merger opportunities in the U.S. with Deutsch and with uh, Campbell Ewald. Um, and so we looked at it and we thought uh, we like their their culture. They were, I mean, Frank uh, built a very creative holding company or, or an agency, I guess you would call it, uh, Loan Partners. Um, and oddly, there was no U.S., I mean, you know, it's a, it's kind of, it was kind of a global agency, creatively focused, in all the right market markets except for the U.S., which is huge in India. Huge, still is. Yeah, um, Lolintas is just Lintas, a, a, a machine. Uh, had a significant at one point Canadian presence, I believe. That's right, and then uh, and and, uh, and and strong in the U.K. and and all the again Southeast Asia, Singapore. And I was just in Indonesia two weeks ago visiting that office powerhouse office, number one uh, business in that market. I mean, so really good pockets of, of, of excellent talent and, and history and scale and all that good stuff without a U.S. presence. Why had that happened? You know, I, I just, they've never, I just think, look, I think it's very hard for a agency outside of the U.S., certainly a U.K. agency, to come into the U.S. and make an impact. I mean, I don't know. Can you name any that have been successful in the recent ten, fifteen, twenty years? I can't. I can't. You know, I, 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 you know, they've tried, and they, there's some of them are still here, but they're not. You know, they're not. I don't want to pick on our competitors, but like, if you're a great brand in the UK and you've come to the US in the last ten to fifteen years, you're not the same size here that you are in the UK, and you should be because this market's a lot bigger. It's just it hasn't. For a bunch of different reasons, I think it just it, it just had never worked out, and I think that Lowe stumbled in the same way. So we put the two agencies together, and we put them together because we had a similar belief in in terms of the role of creativity and the role of creativity in driving client business results and taking on client business problems. And that's really what was interesting to me. And I I got to know some of the people kind of pre-merger and and I thought they were great. And I I feel like they, they thought like we thought, and they had some really good assets. Prefero was their digital pure play, which we wanted to, to start to to bring into the U S in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and all that stuff was interesting to us. And so we did it on May 1 of 15. We put the companies together uh, and it was like a, it was like Game of Thrones. <laughs> you know, so the first thing, this is what I would tell John Cook. The first thing that happens is, the people who didn't get your job are all out after you. Like the daggers are out. Why the hell did he get the job? Why is this a U.S. guy who got this global thing? You know, so you got to deal with all that. Is that? But that's just what happens. Look, it is worth saying that the majority of mergers, there's some reports have it at 70 plus percent. Some reports have it at 90 plus percent. The majority of mergers don't work. And cert- this is in any industry, though. In any industry. And in our industry, it's even worse because you're dealing with egos and cultures. So it's not the it's not that we're talking about this. It's not the science side of it, which is let's look at all the back end stuff. Let's let's look at finance, Here are your efficiencies, and HR, and IT. Let's let's bring it into one. All the back end stuff is relatively easy. It's it's the it's the heart and the art of it that's really hard. I think and, some people I mean, euphemistically it's culture, but culture. it's also ego. Less that's what I'm saying. Culture plus ego is what makes these mergers so difficult in our industry. And I'm sure that that the guys at WPP are about to go through this. 
it's natural. Um, you got to just you got to work and manage your way through it. And I think you have to spend a lot of time on the ground, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of time in these offices. You got to pick your team. You got to make tough decisions. You got you have to unfortunately take out people that don't belong and aren't kind of uh, on the same page as you are. I mean, these are all things that we had to go through in the first couple of years until we started to pull it together. And also, there's a whole branding component of it, right? So the first thing we did is we put. We created the the octopus with the boxing gloves, right? One brain, multiple tentacles. Um, we created an identity. We created guidelines. We created a, an image, a look, and a feel, a tone, a voice. Uh, we did a sizzle reel for all the employees to look at, so they could figure out, so they could understand exactly who we were. And we didn't do it by committee. We just you know, a few of us made the decision. We did it. Uh, we had a global leaders meeting that September of 15. So a few months after we did uh, the merger and I stood in front of everyone. We were in Beaver Creek in Colorado, uh, 80 of the top executives in the company from all around the world. And I unveiled it and I said, here's who we are. Here's our positioning. Here's the look, tone, feel, voice of the thing. Here's the identity guidelines. This is, this is what it is. And here's the name. Right? And here's the name. And that's it. And let's go. We'll be back after this quick break. NPR reaches over 100 million people's lives each month and counting beyond being part of their media routine. NPR informs people's understanding of the world and their opinion of brands that support its work. 68% of NPR listeners prefer to buy products or services from NPR sponsors. Learn more about sponsorship opportunities across NPR platforms and why they're so effective by visiting npr.org slash four brands. Now back to the episode. How big was um, kind of trying, tying this into the unbundling, hyperbundling? I believe you'd called it at the time too, but still do. I still do. Okay, you haven't said it yet, so I'm surprised. Um, how big was kind of media creative in that combined entity? Like, where was kind of where were what was the more revenue driving arm? If there was in the one? in the U.S. pre merger. So media was probably thirty percent of the business okay. at the time. Um, Maybe twenty five percent. It's like it's post merger that changed because low was coming yeah, but, in with this. But media has grown so much. Okay. Mono Media Hub has just been a rocket ship for us. Well, let's talk about that because media has been. I think obviously creative has has its own share of kind of opportunities and challenges with how the market changed. But media has its own, and right. you've seen obviously the rise of the duopoly. I've seen Google and Facebook existed in twenty fifteen, but the last three years Amazon it's been now. a completely right. different situation. Amazon now, um, new competition coming, specifically on media. How would you say kind of media hubs? What is the big challenge or competition here for an entity like Media Hub that you know sits I, within an integrated offering? I'll say it this way: I think the reason that Media Hub has done so well is because we have been able to smash together the practice areas of creative, broadly speaking, and and the practice area of media. And when we go into a pitch, uh, into a media-only pitch, we consistently bring in creative and creative ideas. And it sometimes it shocks clients and it terrifies them. We have clients who say, hold on a second. They'll stop a meeting and they'll say, hold on a second. This is not a creative pitch. We have a creative agency. And we say the reason that creative people are in here, the reason that we've brought creative ideas here is because we believe that um, mass and scale and putting a bunch of vanilla out into the marketplace and buying efficiencies behind it is not going to win the day for you. And it's not going to differentiate your brand. So we always inject creativity into whatever we do. If you look at our digital transformation practice, if you look at our PR and social practice, the reason those businesses are growing is because we inject creativity into them. 
and it's all homegrown, and they all sit together, and it's all it all happens organically. Uh, it's and not an insertion order. No, mechanism. no, no. The teams are together from day one. I mean, if you look at the work we're doing. Uh, right now out of Media Hub for Netflix. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, we've won Best of Show uh, for our work for Stranger Things Season 2, which is amazing, and for Altered Carbon, which is an amazing show as well. We've, you know, that creativity is coming out of Media Hub, and that's fueled by creative people within the agency, whether they sit within Media Hub or not. But that's a little bit of a sign of the times. I mean, I think, uh, you know, talking about awards, just as a sometimes they do tell you things about how the industry is moving. I think it was maybe a couple years ago, or maybe even last year, that, you know, you had the Times was winning kind of supposed creative prizes in Cannes. And you had this sort of move towards thinking. And when you say media, it wasn't just media agencies. But publishers were sure. doing creative. Yeah. And now publishers own creative agencies. But that, at, on one level, that's a competitive advantage for Media Hub because you're able to go in with the creative solutions. On the other hand, now suddenly you're competing with everybody. Yeah, that's right. And I'd rather be competing with everybody if I can smash together creative and media rather than just go alone. And in fact, we do it on the creative side. We bring in social. When we pitch a creative-only piece of business, we're bringing in social and PR thinking. We're bringing in digital transformation. We're bringing in media. We're bringing it all in. We have a, we have an, a, a customer activation practice and shop marketing practice called Open. We bring all of it together um, because it makes the insights better. It makes the thinking better. It makes the creative better. I mean, ultimately, that's the that's the the game. Um, they may the clients may not buy those practices, and and a, and a lot of times clients will say. Thanks. I love it. I love the idea you've gotten to. Now, please stay in your swim lane because we have a media agency and we have a shopper marketing agency. And we also have only a six, some money. Yeah, exactly. And we, we say fine, but the reason they're here is because we get to a better idea, right? Yes. It helps us win. So that's essentially the model. I think to your point, you're going to see, we're, we're definitely seeing it. And if, you know, one of the things that I look at is talent. And I, I always ask senior people, are you getting calls from recruiters? And the answer always is yes. Who's calling? And we're starting to see, our, so our high concept creative people are getting calls from pure play digital agencies, from Accenture, from Deloitte, from KPMG, McKinsey and others. So that's another group. They're getting calls from Facebook and Google, Amazon. And they're also getting calls from standalone, large standalone media agencies. Everybody is running. I think my fundamental belief is is ultimately differentiation is going to come from from creativity you're getting what about publishers and sort of what they've done with kind of content studios being spun out into agencies absolutely them too yeah them too yeah that's another business i guess that would be a sixth business I guess model that's a sixth one. Um, um so these people are getting the high our high concept creative people are getting recruited every day by all these five other business models and i think it's because everyone's running toward the same thing which is everything is going to become a commodity ai data all of it Right. It's all, you know, all the crap that some of these big digital players are putting out into into uh, onto the Web is like it's all becoming wallpaper. And the differentiation in the end is going to be around creativity. And I think everyone knows it. I actually think this is why Accenture and Deloitte and others are buying creative agencies like Karma Rama and Heat and others. I think what they're trying to figure out is what's the creative ecosystem that we need to build here? And can they? I, I, it's I have, it's difficult. I, I have that is the one thing I think. Everybody absolutely difficult. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know. I just don't know why. Um, it's not clear to me. I'll put it this way: yet, why a an Accenture or Deloitte 
would buy a margin dilute of business like an ad agency. So that's been <laughs> right? my big question when it comes and I think to the, that. And I think the answer is, I think the unsaid answer is, and I'll say it here, it, I, think, I think they're trying to figure out how to build a creative ecosystem. I don't think that those entities yet are able to attract high concept creative talent. And I think they know in the future, that's where the differentiation is. It'll be the differentiation, but it's not exactly. This is Agencies, creative agencies have never been a high margin business. Firstly, it's incredibly difficult. Secondly, service businesses don't exactly have high margins in general. Um, so my first question always with the Accentures of the world has been, okay, you've got you've got these giant, giant businesses with logistics and supply chain and accounting. I even understand why in some level you might want to get into just media buying, like a very basic media buying, which but instead they've started here and they've started with let's buy a an agency or let's buy a company with a ton of really difficult to work with and egotistical and creative people who need a, who have all these needs and then try and and then hope for the best they're buying magic that's what they're buying and i think that's the future so then you you we walk through all of these different um different places your talent's getting calls from which is a nice way to kind of almost look at the, just, the entire industry in a very good it, yeah. way yeah okay so we have these consultancies who are creating a creative ecosystem um I, I like that theory what what does that inevitably what does that sort of ultimately look like we're guessing here because they're not in the room um what does that actually mean what are they trying to build as an ecosystem i think they're trying to figure out uh in 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 the future of people in a future that they've created that maybe we've created um where people are going to avoid advertising the rise of ad blockers you know we, there are plenty of examples I think I think everyone's going to be in a race f- to create content that people actually value and seek out. And I think th- I think that's I think probably that's where we're headed and that's what I mean by creative differentiation. Yeah. Um so that's good because I'm in the business where, you know, our the entire publishing business has arguably been creating content that people will actually value yeah. without, you know, and not creating advertising. So then Publisher content studios or publisher agencies di- haven't really taken off to the extent I would have expected, considering that that's been the legacy of those companies. Like that's supposedly in their DNA. Shouldn't have, shouldn't it have been easier if they were making content that was news content or lifestyle content to then translate that DNA and be like, well, we should be able to crack creativity and creative quote unquote marketing or advertising. Yeah. What happened there? Well, I think it, I think creativity just doesn't come to exist just out of the blue or on its own. I mean, I think it has to be nurtured and fueled by the right insights, by the people, by people who can uh, develop briefs that are, um, that inspire creativity, um, by people who can sell it, by people who can get it produced. I mean, it's a whole ecosystem. That's what I mean by that creative ecosystem. Um, it's really, really hard to, to, to create and, and nurture and value and get great creative product out of. I think it's a it's hard to just to plug and play creative people into into industries, mm-hmm. um, because the in most times in, in our my experience as I look at talent, the body rejects the organ. Um, let's talk about Facebook, Google, Amazon. Um, they've, I think they've changed agencies or affected agencies in two ways. One is obviously just by virtue of them being there as new channels and then having to deal with the constant changes and all of that. The other one is as potential sources of competition. Um, how have those two things kind of worked for you and sort of how do you kind of approach them in both in both those ways as frenemies so they're definitely partners and 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 certainly competitors now and in in the future um we find the the way we look at it is we 
every time a, a new competitor or entity pops up, I mean, it's been a while since Google and Facebook have been around, but you Amazon's know, here. but Amazon's here and Voice is here, which is really interesting. The way that we look at it is, is for us, it's Canvas. So is it a new Canvas that that our creative people can create for? And that's really exciting. And it so is. It is. In most cases. Yeah, it absolutely is. So, so that's purely it. I mean, we look at it, we look at the world in in terms of Canvas. So is it new? Is it something new? Is it something new we can play with? The reason the Media Hub, back to Media Hub, has done so well is their partnerships with. Uh, a lot of the social uh, channels and networks like Facebook and Snap and others, Instagram is, they know those platforms so well that a lot of times they're creating cutting edge things uh, and canvas for creative people with those platforms. That's really interesting and exciting. Um, so that stuff is starting to roll out out of the agency. And we're really doing a lot of work with voice right now um, to try to figure that out, not just Amazon, but everything that Apple and Google and others offer. Um, so that's interesting, Canvas, creative people. Um, what does the voice, um, just to digress for a minute, what does kind of the voice opportunity look like? Because I don't think it's quite clear yet. People are trying lots of different things. Yeah, I mean, I think short-term, the low-hanging fruit is just, is just a, a more interesting version of search. Uh, and then you start to layer in, start to layer in brand and, and um, the various marketplaces that, that both Facebook and, and Amazon and others offer. Um, early days uh and then on the flip side they are they are clients and they, and they are competitors right i mean we we couldn't exist i mean a lot of our clients wouldn't exist without our you know their relationships with google or without google and our relationships with google so which kind of puts you i mean i think middleman has turned into a bad word but is it then no i mean you have to exist you have to coexist in this and by the way the other the other dimension is they recruit our talent like we lose people to we we bring people in we train them and then we lose them to Google and Facebook regularly. Are they coming back? I mean, sometimes, I, sometimes, rarely, but sometimes. I mean, we, we, it's hard to compete with the, with the shares that they, <laughs> the campus and the shares and the free food and the dogs. Um, and so, you know, there's another dimension um, that you have to, you know, kind of watch out for as well. So definitely friendship, competitors, partners, clients, all of it, you know, Customers, all like of it. Like any good marriage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just have to be, you just have to be flexible. Um, what about clients? Um, you know, we we mentioned a little bit, sort of obviously, what clients are asking for from their partners, their agency partners, but also their tech partners has shifted and changed. Um, they're also starting to build their own quote unquote agencies or groups. Um, how much is kind of the in-house thing a threat right now? We're starting to see more of it. Okay. It's a, it's really on a client by client basis. We're starting to see more of it. We're starting to see more in housing on the part of clients of more of the low hanging fruit. Again, the less conceptual kind of stuff. Cause I think clients are facing the same issues that a lot of our competitors are facing in, in the different business models, which is how do we attract high concept creative people? So, um, they're trying, um, they it's more efficient they have more control over the product they're doing uh, it more with kind of you know you sort of mentioned low-hanging fruit is that more with kind of maybe creative execution yeah, or is that with like basic stuff even some basic media stuff basic media stuff, stuff basic content stuff um basic product stuff and that's um, not worrying I, everything is worrying i mean <laughs> <laughs> everything right? in life i mean no, everything right. in life is you're worrying right. the True. the you know the political environment's worrying uh, oh no <laughs> I, I worry about tsunamis in oh, indonesia no. i mean we have people everywhere right i mean everything is worrying to be honest with you so just a, what degree of worry is it it's part of the job yeah totally um so uh, we are seeing it for uh, certainly i I, th I still think um 
the best client relationships we have, though, are the ones where the clients come to the agency and say, we have a real business problem on our hands here. We're launching a new product, our sales are down, new competitors are entering the market, a myriad of issues. Help us think through the problem. You know, rather than here's a brief, I need to launch a product. Certainly we can do that and we're, and we're good at doing that. But like, you know, when, when, when clients come to us and say, we've got a new product coming out, let's work on this thing together. Let's figure out how to launch this thing. It's really... That's that's when it gets really well, interesting. Broadly, that's you know that's consulting. I mean, that's what sort of Boston Consulting Group and McKinsey have been doing or do somewhat. But having is that a new capability for agencies? N- no, but our answer is it, it, our answer is it, it is creativity and ideas, right? And so that's where I think we're we're quite different from the consultants. But um, but I think you we will continue to see as an industry more of kind of um, basic marketing uh getting in-housed by uh clients certainly and i just think we have to deal with it and that maybe arguably could if you were an optimist free you up to do that business transformation new product help me with the market that's right that's right there's that and also let's assume those are more high margin they are yeah but also let's just you know let's just be honest (laughs) there there's an oversupply of agencies certainly in this in the u.s market and so as things like this happen you know as as um, demand for certain products uh, that agencies offer start to go in-house at clients, you know, this we're going to see more consolidation in this industry. I think we need to. Yeah, more mergers, more agencies going out of business. I just think there's an oversupply. There's just I just I see it. I see I see price cutting. I see you know dozens of agencies going for jump balls on small projects. Agencies that weren't competing for for certain brands are now competing for certain brands, and and I think that you know we we probably fall victim to it, but a lot of agencies also uh, also do, um, and this is a result of an over, it's it's a classic oversupply situation. You know, uh, it just drives prices down. It either drives prices down, and uh, over time it creates consolidation, which I think is going to have to happen. Another omnipub become potential. Uh, I don't know if it's at that scale. But um, uh, could be. I don't know. I don't I'm know not. if they were, they were okay with me saying pubicom. They were mad at me <laughs> when, that, when they know. tried. So um, you mentioned you have to worry about everything. Um, anything you aren't too concerned about that you think people are blowing out of proportion or that people are overthinking that just isn't that high up on your list of priorities? I think there's been a lot of focus on tariffs uh, in, the, in the U.S. I think um, we're, we just have such a massive and robust economy i think um i think there's a little bit of tariff panic out there i think it's a bit irrational um in terms of the impact on the economy um i'm not really worried about that uh side of it um will that affect clients in a very real way it affects certain clients like harley davidson's a client of ours and they're clearly affected by i mean this has been well documented um so on an ad hoc basis yes certainly certain clients are affected but you know i think i think things like that might be uh, a little bit uh overblown um, I, uh, I'm confident in our, in the economy in the U S you know, half of our business now is in the U S. Um, a recession is not coming. I, I don't see any clues or indications of it in the next several years. So has that sort of the whole CPG slowdown and that being used as a reason in many earnings reports, especially on the agency level or any services level to as a reason why things haven't been going as well. I mean, we're seeing that happen constantly that, oh, but our clients are just spending less on marketing and therefore we're doing badly. And it's, is it more that they're not spending less, they're just spending it differently? Uh, No, I think they are. I think they have cut. uh, We have CPG business. I think they have cut fees down. I don't, 
Um, and, and, and certainly in our case, uh, when we've had fee erosion on the side of uh, uh, CPG businesses, uh, we don't see it going to other agencies. We're not losing share um, to other agencies. I think just overall the spending is down. Um, we are seeing that, but other industries are up. I mean, you just you know, this is why you have so you have to run a, a broad portfolio of clients. Number one, but we also, uh, which is what I love about our model personally, is we have a portfolio business within our business. So Media Hub can go and compete and stand on its own and generate revenue. Our PR and social business can do the same. Our DT business can do that. Open can do that, which is our uh, shopper marketing arm, and then the core agency can do that as well. So we really run a portfolio. You know, we're more like a portfolio management a company, if you like. Company. Yeah, it's like we're like a little mini holding company. And when one side's down, then the other side has to run a little bit harder. And one country's down, then the other country has to just fight a little bit harder. So it's a it's a multidimensional portfolio model, um, uh, and that that works for us, and it helps us offset dips in certain sectors like CPG over the last couple of years. Great, awesome. Well, Alex, thank you for being on Making Marketing. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, please don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a rating, hopefully a five-star review. And have more feedback or thoughts about the show, tweet at me. I'm at Shereen Batek. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week. <laughs>